Okay, so our scripture today is in James 2, 1 through 13. If you want to turn there, James 2, 1 through 13. And it says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meetings wearing gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes come in. And if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, sit there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God chosen those in the poor in the, in the eyes of the world to be rich in the faith? and to inherit the kingdom he has promised to those who love him. But if you dishonor the poor, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? And are they not the ones dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him whom you belong? And if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love the neighbor, your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. But if you commit adultery but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy always triumphs over judgment. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can be here today and we thank you for your word. And as we go through this book of James, there's just so many things in there that are just practical. But Lord, right now I just ask that you'll just open our hearts and our minds and that we can just be filled with your word today. And Lord, that it isn't just a head knowledge, uh, but it's a, a it's applied in our lives every day and so lord i thank you for each one who's here i just pray for all the fathers and we thank you for them we we thank you for just your goodness and mercy and grace to each one of us and lord you know what's going on in each one of our lives and you know what we need you know the ones that need comforted those that have specific prayer needs we just pray that they just bring them to you right now lord there's many of us that all of us have many things to thank you for but Lord, we've come here today to praise and worship you and you only. So be with us now during this word, and this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going through the book of James. We finished chapter 1, which means we're going to go to chapter 2 today. Novel idea, right? And so if you see the title, it's How to Treat People Right. And you're going to look at it and say, well, we already know that. But we're going to do a little rehash of things. Our biggest problem. Your biggest problem and my biggest problem is getting along with other people. So James is talking to us about that. So in this passage, in these 13 verses of chapter 2, Paul gives us the principle, he gives us the problem, and then he gives us the application in this passage. So if we look at the, the very first verse, it says, My brothers and sisters... Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Now, whenever James begins a section of a passage of Scripture with brothers and sisters, 
he's getting ready to nail us to the wall. Because he's here in this passage, he's talking about prejudice, partiality, favoritism. If you read the New English Bible, it calls it snobbery. Which I kind of like that. Kind of feels good to say snobbery. But basically saying, don't be a snob. So James is saying, don't accept people just on superficial judgments. So this morning, in order to deal with it, I wanted to look at some common areas of discrimination. These three things are one of the common ones. We often discriminate because of the way somebody looks, their appearance. Beauty is everything in the world, right? If you're cute, you got it made. If you're not cute, tough luck. We judge people on how they look. We judge people on how they dress. Now years ago, back when hitchhiking was a little more popular, this is before Lyft and you Uber and, and all that, they did an experiment and they had these hitchhikers dress in different ways. And what they found, if you were dressed really nice, you were more likely to be picked up, which that kind of goes with it, right? So how you dress definitely influence on how you relate to people. But how, how do people judge you? How do we judge people? Do we judge them immediately by the way that they look? What if they have long hair or all sorts of things going on? You never know. Do we say, hey, <laughs> say you see somebody with long hair and long beard. Do you go up to them and say, you know what? Jesus saves and Jesus shaves. I mean, you could. What we don't realize is Jesus probably had long hair and he had a long beard too. I have, do you, anybody remember Gilda Radner? Okay. Saturday Night Live. I like her philosophy of dress. She says, I make my fa fashion choices based on what doesn't itch. <laughs> Makes sense. But a lot of times we look at people and we think, hmm, and we kind of have this prejudging of their appearance. Another one is age. You're either too young or you're too old. And our society kind of gushes over winners and forgets the losers. One minute you're a hero and the next minute you're a zero. I mean, that's how it works. Or then we got affluence. The most common distinction. We judge people by their wealth, whether they're rich or poor, their economic status. What attitude do you have for people who have more money than you? Or what attitude do you have that people that have less than you? Now, of all the areas that James picks out that we can discriminate in, he talks about the economic distinction. Go to verse 2. It says, Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, 
and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? There's a guy that calls this the case of the nearsighted usher. Two guys are strangers. They arrive at church at the same time, and we kind of know that they're strangers because they don't know where to sit, which maybe we're all strangers at this point because everyone's trying to figure out their proper seating, right? How many are sitting in the same seat they did last week? How many are in a different seat? Wow, look at that. How many will be in a different one the next week because they don't like this one? Okay. <laughs> I'm just excited to see the front row starting to fill up. That's good. We keep taking the front row and moving it back one. So, uh. <laughs> now, the first guy of these two guys that walk in, he's full of wealth. Everybody knows he's wealthy. Now, what, it doesn't really fit because a lot of the Christians in the New Testament times, most of them were poor. Most of them were slaves. So this first guy that's kind of wealthy walks in, and it says he has gold rings. Literally in the Greek, it means he is gold-fingered. And in the New Testament times, you could rent rings to wear to kind of show people that you're wealthy. Now, James doesn't criticize the man for being wealthy. He criticizes the members that are being partial to him. James doesn't say there's anything wrong with having wealth. And then it says that he has fine clothes. Now, you're going to love this. In the Greek, it literally meant a Roman toga. So think about somebody coming to church with a toga on. But back then, <laughs> politicians would wear these togas because they would be up for re-election. So this guy, the next guy that comes in, is very poverty-stricken. He's destitute. He's shabby. I was going to say he probably has holes in his Levi's, but I think that's fashionable now. Um, he has pants without holes in them. <laughs> he probably doesn't have shoes on. He probably isn't wearing any deodorant. So if you have some sinus issues, you might want to sit next to him because it will help clear it up. His hair is probably unkept. He looks bad. And so this usher has to make a decision here. Where am I going to seat him? So the usher takes the, the rich man and finds the finest seat, which I was going to say the front row, sits in there in the best of seats, basically saying, take this nice place, we want everybody to know you're here. We want to take care of your every need. And then he says to the bum, I go stand over in the corner or you can sit on the floor. 
In the Greek, it literally means you can sit under my footstool. So it's an ultimate put down. This usher treats him carelessly. And James says that there's a couple of problems at least with favoritism. And so we're going to go through these. Favoritism, first of all, is unchristian. If you want to be like Jesus, you can't play favorites. He says, my brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Faith and favoritism are incompatible. The word favoritism is used four times in the Bible. Every other time, it's referring to God, and it says that God does not play favorites. Romans 2.11, it says God does not show favoritism. Jesus, He treated everybody with dignity. And if there's one place in the world where there shouldn't be any kind of discrimination, it ought to be in the church. The next thing we see is favoritism is unreasonable. In verses 5 through 7, James basically says favoritism is illogical. It doesn't make sense. Because he says in the first place, God has chosen the poor. He says, has not God chosen the poor to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom? And James isn't saying it's, it's, that it's good to be poor and bad to be rich. He's not saying only the poor will be saved. He's not saying any of that. Your value is not based on your valuables. Don't confuse your net worth with your self-worth. There's a big difference. James says don't show favoritism. It's unchristian. It's unreasonable. It's illogical. It doesn't make sense. And then he gives his primary reason in verse 8. Favoritism is unloving. He says if you really... Keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. Now, why is it called the royal law? Oh, I guess I'm not asking a question. Okay. It's called the royal law because if we obeyed that one particular law, we probably wouldn't need the rest. The Bible says that how we relate to other people shows how, in a sense, we really love God. 1 John 4.20 says, If a man says he loves God and hates his brother, he's lying. How can you love God whom you haven't seen if you don't love your brother whom you have seen? So how we relate to each other, how I relate to you, how you relate to me, all those kinds of things show how much I love God. Favoritism is unloving. And if we're really truthful with ourselves, we all struggle with favoritism. It's Father's Day. How many think they were the favorite child? We'll do family counseling uh, starting uh, right after church here. Go to verse 9. It says, If you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles at just one point, is guilty of breaking it. So how many laws do you have to break 
in order to be a lawbreaker? One. Have you ever been to one of those fancy gift shops? It has all the fancy china. And it has a sign that says, if you break it, you bought it. They don't care if you broke it in one piece or a thousand pieces. If you break it, you're going to buy it. James is saying that people think favoritism is such a small sin. James says if you break God's rule, you break God's rule. So be careful. It's serious business. Then go to verses 11 and 12. He says, For who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you don't commit adultery but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will not be shown to anyone who has been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So he's saying love treats people with mercy. Love gives people what they need, not what they deserve. And I can't help but think that James is maybe thinking about his half-brother Jesus who said on the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So that's the problem. The problem with favoritism is it's unchristian, it's unreasonable, and it's unloving. So now we get to the just of it all. The whole reason you came this morning for those words in conclusion. <laughs> I'm not there yet. But we're getting there. This is the prescription on how to treat people right. This is how we can have a loving congregation. And there was a article in the paper that said a lo there's a loving connection between in, in church growth. And it says most more people are drawn to caring facilities. And it says that's how churches grow. And now in a survey of 8,600 people in 39 different denominations, they measured the love quotient of a church. And the Institute reported that growing churches are more loving to each other and to visitors than churches that are in decline. Loving churches attract more people regardless of their theology, regardless of their denomination, regardless of their location. The conclusion of the article was it's love that reaches people. You don't argue people into the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going to give you the prescription. And the first one is this. You've got to accept everybody. Now, have you ever been to a church that's just a bunch of spiritual snobs? See, most of you have been coming here all your life, so you're okay. But You know, it's those people that have that attitude, we've got it and you don't. Do you know why people have a hard time accepting others? <laughs> Another reason is they confuse acceptance with approval. 
There's a big difference between accepting people and approving people. You can accept somebody without approving of their lifestyle. Romans 15.7 says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Now that's a start, acceptance. This is a church that's for people who don't have it all together. Starting with the pastor. <laughs> but you know what? If we really got together, we, we, we would be surprised at the various different backgrounds and all sorts of things in this church. And it doesn't matter where you've been. What matters is where you are now. And if you know Jesus or not. Because in the essentials, we have unity. Jesus is Lord. The Bible is God's Word. We have those basics that we stick together. We need to accept. The next thing we do is we need to appreciate everybody. This goes a little bit farther than acceptance. In Philippians 2, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Appreciate everybody. Find something that you can like. Not just accept. Tell those people what you appreciate about them. And as your mind is kind of swirling here, and you're thinking of certain people, and you're thinking, wow, that's going to be tough. You might have to be a little more creative because there are some people it takes a little more creativity. But after a little while, you can value them for if nothing else, you can value them for their uniqueness. Which will be really scary as we leave church. People are going to go on to really appreciate your uniqueness. Hmm. So you accept everybody, you appreciate everybody, and we need to affirm everybody. Give everybody a lift whenever you can. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Encourage one another and build each other up. So when people stumble, don't criticize them. Sympathize with them. Be an encourager. Don't be a complainer. Don't be a condemner. Don't be critical. Don't be a judger. And you want to know one of the easiest ways to encourage somebody? Smile at them. Just like one or two of you are doing now. <laughs> but what is God saying in James? I think this is what it comes down to is the church that accepts and appreciates and affirms people is the church that God blesses. Absolutely nothing can stop the church that's filled with love. God's love. But you know what? It doesn't happen accidentally. It requires an effort on all of us. Do you realize that all of us here, every one of us here, contributes to the atmosphere that we have today? And you can contribute either negatively or positively. Now here's a question that I want us all to ask ourselves. I guess I should do the old time 
Ray, no one looking around, Heads up, head bows, eyes closed, no one looking around. Here's the question I want you to a- answer. Would people come back to Kersey Community Church because of you? Think about that. Would people come back to Kersey Community Church just because of you? Are you a greeter? Are you a smiler? Together, I think we need to make a commitment that this church will receive people unconditionally. We don't expect people to act like believers until they are believers. Love draws people from the outside. And I want Kersey Community Church to have this reputation of love. Because I believe that God is just waiting for a church that will love people unconditionally and I don't believe anything can stop it. So maybe you're a visitor here today. Maybe it's your first time. You're as welcome here today as somebody who's been sitting here for 100 years. But I just want to in conclusion, make this statement. It was said of the New Testament church, see how they love one another? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We've got to accept, we've got to affirm, we've got to appreciate. We're all the same. There's no distinctions in the body of Christ. We are Christians. We are one in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for this opportunity just to be here as a group of believers to praise you. And Lord, you know what's going on in each one of our lives. And and Lord, I just pray that we can just love and affirm everybody. I pray if there's someone here that's struggling, that we can wrap our arms around them, hold them tight and just encourage them. Lord, I just pray that we can, can be a loving church that shows to the the whole community. And Lord, this morning I do pray that if there's anyone here that does not know you, I just pray even where they're sitting that they will come to know you. But Lord, I just pray that all of us here can just work on a commitment that we love you and because we love you, we love other people. So Lord, I thank you that we have this opportunity. I thank you that you're working at Kersey Community Church. And Lord, we just pray that you can just bless us and that we can be the people that you've called us to be. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.